0: Welcome to the next edition of Grid Forward Chats. Today we're live at Distributech 2022. And thank you, Gary and Sanjeet, for being here with me. Great to be able to do this face-to-face. So, Gary, I'll have you introduce yourself first. Uh, Gary Ratcliffe is the VP of Market Development and Innovation at Hitachi Energy. Gary, how did you get into that role there at Hitachi?
1: Thanks, Bryce. So, basically, I, I merged. I moved into this role as a result of having a pretty broad background at Hitachi Energy and then some of the companies that I worked at prior to that that were acquired, uh, ultimately leading to joining Hitachi Energy about a year and a half ago. But just broad background, software, working with some of the equipment, such as fax, transformers, uh, both sales as well as uh, business management. And this role really uh, allows me to focus on what's changing in the industry on the innovation side, and really what the utilities and the industry needs in terms of the market development.
0: Thanks, Gary. Good to have you on. And we also have with us Sanjeet Sangera. Sanjeet is head of grid and utilities at Bloomberg New Energy Finance, NEF. Um, Sanjeet, can you tell us briefly how did you end up in that role and what are you working on these days?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, so I started off my career as a power systems engineer in Canada I worked at a control center for a number of years, um, then moved on to like asset management. I did transmission planning for a number of years, and kind I'm of building out power lines and running studies and whatnot. And I think over the course of that, I was really working on the technical side of this industry. And I found that a lot of the problems that I that I was seeing in the industry in terms of getting infrastructure built. Weren't necessarily technical per se. Like the engineers had solved many of the problems, and the reason projects weren't being realized was really because of political challenges or regulatory delays or permitting problems, and and so I don't know. I shifted gears. I did an MBA at Cambridge. I moved out to the moved out to London. Now I'm at BNEF. Um, so we're a strategic research provider covering the transition to low carbon economy. We look at commodities and technologies and, uh, yeah, we're trying to help utilities and help vendors kind of get through the energy transition and figure out where we're all going.
0: Excellent. So even though we're face to face, which is nice to be able to do, um, I do like to start our conversations with this question. It's been a pretty wild year these last two years. Um, Gary, h- how are you, how are you doing? <laughs>
1: Oh, I think I am doing well. I mean, here at Distributech, uh, it's been an interesting three days. It's been really full, uh, just running from breakfast meetings all the way through dinners, uh, trying to catch the sessions, but also really catching up with people. You know, attendance here at the event actually it's, it exceeded my my expectations. I think the last number I heard was over eleven thousand people, which is which is great attendance basically equaling what we had prior to the pandemic. It's good to see people again.
0: Sanjeev, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, the last few years have
2: been something.
1: I, I think there are a few moments in life when you know you're watching
2: history unfold, like those moments you're gonna tell your kids when you grow up and that's really what it's been. Um, and. So we've come out of it quite well. It's been interest it's a lot of change going on in the industry and, and so a lot of people are coming to us and asking questions. Here at Distributech, it, it was good, right? Like it's good to be face to face. There are there are things that I've been working through with people for the last year and like you come into it have a face to face conversation and you can sort it out, you know, in a single conversation. So uh, it's good to do to be back face to face and actually work through things.
0: It is good to be get, be together. I, I'm a little exhausted because we're here at the end of the event, but it's good to see everybody and be together. All right. So laying the foundation for our conversation, um, let's get a little bit of some background from each of you on what's going on in the industry, what's driving the market, what's driving utilities in the grid. So Sanjit, maybe I can start with you, given kind of the global perspectives that you have. Um, what are some of the dynamics that you see? That are driving the grid and utility space right now.
2: Yeah, so at BNF, mm-hmm. we we tend to talk about the the three D's, right? So we can talk about decentralization, decarbonization, and digitalization. But like, there's many other things happening with with regards to the grid itself too, right? You have aging workforce, you have this increasing number of climate events, um, and I, I, I summarize this really in two sentences. The first is that we're having to do more with less. And the second is we're having to do things faster than we've had to before. So doing things faster, like we're seeing a decentralization of the power system. The average power plant is reducing in scale, right? We're going from gigawatt scale to megawatt scale. Um, interconnection queues as a result are expanding quite a bit, right? so we we were seeing the installations of wind and solar are going to go up about four to five times from current day levels. And what that means is the number of interconnection projects coming into queues for some countries is going to be an order of magnitude. It's going to be 10 times higher. And that is going to impose constraints on grids, right? So they're going to start to become a bottleneck if they aren't already. Um, and we've done some of this modeling. And what we see is the amount of infrastructure that needs to get built is just like, it's basically unfathomable, right? It's, it's an unbuildable amount of infrastructure. And so in order to, to realize that, so the, the challenge isn't that we can't get it done ever. We have to get it done within a certain time limit, right? So there's a time constraint to, to doing this in order to manage emissions. And um, so doing it quickly requires us to, to digitalize and, and so do things faster. At the same time, returns are being squeezed right? for utilities. Um, and, and, and an aging workforce means that we're having younger people come in, which is great, but some of that expertise isn't there and that's doing more with less.
0: Well, there's a lot there, Gary. So is there anything you want to double click on or any other areas you want to elaborate? You you have a good purview into a lot of the investments that are going into the transmission and distribution system. What are some of the dynamics that you see driving the industry right now? So certainly see
1: you know the 3 ds, but I, I might change the 1D from decentralization to diversity. We're seeing more diversity in terms of of the generation. but clearly the energy transition is one of the major drivers and I, I really break that down into two components we're trying to reduce carbon and so one way we're trying to reduce carbon is on the generation side and move to carbon free generation, which means we're adding more renewables to the grid and so that's a major investment, but that's also tra- causing some, some operational uh, challenges as we grow that uh, that percentage of, of the total total mix. The other part of reducing carbon as part of the energy transition is reducing carbon at uh, the induced energy consumption, and that's really what's behind the what we see in electrification. And so, if you look at the two largest carbon sources, one being transportation, we're trying to address that through electrification. Second being generation, we're trying to address that by moving to more renewables and uh, carbon, carbon-free carbon generation. So that's that's a key driver that utilities now need to address because they have the sustainability goals. We're trying to, uh, you know, a lot of that achievement is going to be through, through the utility industry. The other thing that we're seeing is, uh, I'll use a general term around grid modernization, but we, we we have the challenge of trying to reduce carbon but the reality is we're already seeing the impacts Of carbon and driving climate change so we need to address the the resiliency and also the reliability of the grid Uh, but also we have other challenges too in terms of in addition to the storm response reliability resiliency we need flexibility to to be able to accommodate some of the shifts that we're seeing whether it's electrification whether it's distributed energy resources and so I think that's driving it's another pocket of investment that we see utilities making and in the third which really supports the The first two that I mentioned is that digital investment, that digital transformation. And that spans the, you know, spans everything from IoT investments to digital substations to analytics and new AI applications and digitalization, that sharing of data across the enterprise. Utilities are very siloed. Uh, in terms of their digital applications and in trying to move data across these silos uh, is a challenge but there's also benefit
0: thanks for outlining those general dynamics and and we see them very similarly um, maybe we can, dive a little bit deeper on what's kind of driving some of those dynamics. So the core tenants um, that grid operators have often used to, to think about how they're making their systems and the trade-offs is, um, you know, trading off between safe, reliable, and affordable, right? And, and each of those has trade-offs as you make investments on the grid. But it, it's pretty clear that the attributes or the outcomes we want from our energy system are getting much more significant, right? We, we now want a resilient system, as you mentioned, Gary. We want a clean system. Sanjit, you were talking about the renewables coming online. We want it to be efficient. We want it to be equitable and benefiting all, all all that are connected. So how do you think about the outcomes that we're trying to achieve and the trade-offs that come with trying to achieve all of these things kind of simultaneously? Um, sanjeev you want to go first and kind of maybe dive in a little bit on that one?
2: So I I really like this safe, reliable, and affordable pillars that the utility business has been built on. And I I don't think we actually need to diverge from that. I don't think the utility necessarily has to do anything differently in that regard. The, The environment in which it's doing it has changed. And so what we mean by those words is evolving, right? And so, for example, reliable now also means resilient, right? Being able to come back from significant events. Uh, Safe also means that it has to be clean. The power system is going to create, it can't be a part of the emissions contribution, and it has to enable the electrification of the broader economy as well. Um, Efficiency comes back to affordability of the system as well, and so does equity. It has to be affordable for everyone, not just for those who can afford to to have the flexibility in their homes and be able to survive from power shutoffs, right? So I, I think those three words fundamentally do carry us through what the next set of problems are. I don't think the utility necessarily has to do anything differently, but what those words mean have, a, have kind of a new register to them.
0: It's interesting. Anything you want to add on, on that dynamic, Gary? Well, uh, I
1: think when you talk about safety and you talk about reliability and you talk about affordability, to me, those are licenses to operate. Those are fundamental. And, you know, we need to make sure that the grid and delivery of electricity really fits into safe, reliable and affordable. But I think we have a fourth driver now, which is really the sustainability piece. And I think that's really you know, changing uh, some of our goals. When you when you take a step back, you know, here in the U.S. today, we're 40% carbon free and we've announced goals to get to 100%. That's not an insignificant uh, uh, goal. Uh, Canada, a little bit ahead of us, you know, they're currently over 80% carbon free, but that's because they have 60% hydro, hydro generation. So there are, you know, ways that you can get there, but this is going to be a major challenge for us. It's really going to push push the Push the industry. So I think we, you know, we need to take into account that that sustainability issue uh, on the generation side. And then when we look at electrification of transportation, and how do we accommodate that growth in energy delivered without, hopefully driving up the amount of demand we see. So in other words, can we, can we accommodate the energy without necessarily having higher demand? In other words, don't charge your vehicles during peak demand time. But how do we manage that? How do we build that flexibility into the grid and accommodate these challenges, uh, to, to achieve our sustainability goals? And I think that's the, the, the added factor.
0: Excellent. So this is a perfect foundation for, uh, I think you all knew, what we wanted to cover as our central topic on this discussion. Um, so I'm going to send this one first to you, Gary. Um, do you think we're investing enough in our grid, and and in particular, to achieve the outcomes that we want from it? And you can define those outcomes if you want, but but are we investing enough in our electric energy systems?
1: Yes and no. I mean, if you look, for example, at the EEI data, and they, you know, they have forecasts in terms of the breakdown, at least by the investor-owned utilities, in terms of transmission investment, distribution investment, and the trends are slightly increasing. So we are investing more money, uh, particularly in the investor-owned utility area. Obviously, there's all the municipal and public power, and certainly they're they're also making investments. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily where we're not, I don't think we're where we need to be. I think there's been identified that we need to make additional transmission investment to be able to make the grid more flexible and to be able to drive higher levels of renewable generation. You know, NREL has done some studies, ACOR just released its macro grid initiative that we need more transmission to address the location challenges and the timing challenges associated with renewable generation, location, You know, we're changing where the generation connects to the grid. Offshore doesn't connect in the same location as, you know, coal plants in the Midwest. Building a wind farm in North Dakota where there's no load and no transmission means we have to find access for these resources and in the changed power flows may be resulting in congestion. So that's a location issue. Then we have a timing issue. You know, we may not have the renewable generation available when we have the load. And so what can we, you know, what can we do? We can store. And maybe we can move the power long distances, to, which gives us a little bit more flexibility. That's going to take a significant investment, and we have incremental investment planned. But I don't see us making that step change. And then when we start to talk about resiliency, particularly looking at grid edge and flexibility, you know, we need the grid to be more flexible so we can try and reduce the peak demand. And uh, we're, we're making incremental changes, but I don't think we're adding the degree of resiliency and flexibility that we need, and that's going to take more investment.
0: That's a, that's a very good perspective to get us going in this conversation. Uh, I'm just going to pose the same exact question to you, Sanji. Do you think we're investing enough in the grid and, and to achieve the outcomes that we really need from it now? Um,
2: so, I, I think the, the grid of today is accomplishing what it's supposed to be doing. Investing enough today and being prepared to invest what we need to do in the future are very different things, right? Like the storm is coming, and we're not the level of renewables that are coming onto the grid, the electrification of transport that's happening. We, we know that's on the horizon, and that poses a problem. I, I think the, the problem will be the scale up, right? So. So BNEF, we've ran some numbers on this. Um, We peg global grid investment at 235 billion right now. To 2050, we think that needs to grow to 636 billion, right? So that's a compound annual growth rate of 3.4%. Total investment is 14 trillion, right? In the grid, 14 trillion with a T. And that matches the amount of investment that you see coming into generation assets, so that's only slightly different. It's fifteen, and there's about one trillion that goes into energy storage when we do all the numbers. So you know you see renewables getting a lot of attention, and and the grid is actually equal in scale when we see it in terms of the number of investment that needs to go in, um, and and half of the battle there is also like normally when we think about expansion of the grid. Um, there's eras where we have growth. So you might have a decade where a lot of growth happens. And if you look at most grid systems, a sizable chunk of it was built during a single period of time. And then there's usually a decade or two of cared maintenance where the, you know, not much gets done, but the, you, know, you have a lot of maintenance going on. And, and, and that's kind of just the flow of things. What we're about to embark on now is a simultaneous growth period plus replacements happening, right? Like that's what's being called on. We have aging assets, plus we know there's an electrification program going on. We know that the renewables are going to try to connect at scale. And and like there's reasons why some of that hasn't slowed down on the wind side in particular. So hopefully those get unlocked, and we don't want the grid to be a bottleneck there. But that, you know, that poses a potential challenge it also poses an opportunity for us to do integrated planning and think about how we can optimize, sustain capital and growth capital. So we aren't, you know, we can maybe decommission a substation and expand another one somewhere else, as opposed to continuing to do things in a like for like basis. But there's, you know, are we investing enough right at this moment? If you, if I put my regulator hat on, um, I think you probably have to say yes. Right. Like, you know, the grid's not falling apart, but, are we ready for the future? I, I have some concerns there. Yeah, we need to scale up.
0: Fascinating perspectives to dive into, and and too bad we're not talking for hours. But let's let's unpack a couple areas here. Um, let's talk a little bit about centralized versus distributed. And Sanjit, I'll send this one over first to you. Um, at times, it seems like they could be at odds. I, I certainly think it's a you know a both and sort of a situation. Um, can you elaborate? Around your thoughts around how do we expand things like regional transmission, bulk renewables, and potentially at the same time, if you're in agreement with me, you know, demand flexibility, distributed source, storage, and some other areas.
2: Yeah, I, I think the mistake we often fall into is that this assumption that decentralization of the power system means that there's some sort of diminishing role for transmission, right? That because we have wind and solar, it's gonna connect at lower voltage levels. That suddenly means that these higher voltage levels don't serve the same purpose that they used to. Uh, transmission is gonna to continue to be very important, right? Like we, we need a network that is allowing us to balance between regional hubs. What we often see when we look at the way high renewable penetration has happened in certain countries. So you go to like the UK, you go to Germany, you end up with high concentrations of renewables in a single area and then you have demand centers elsewhere and you need long-haul transmission to, to connect the two right so the hierarchy of the grid changes slightly from kind of a top-down structure to one of balancing across a network right but th- there's still value in having um, a transmission in, in, in a highly decentralized system now how far countries go into decentralizing I think there's a natural tendency in that direction. Some countries will go much further than others, and some have already. And you look at like, say, Australia, for example, and, and there's countries that won't go as far um, and they don't need to, and I think that's fine.
0: How about you, Gary, any thoughts on, on this topic area, central and distributed?
1: Well, uh, I, I think that centralized generation uh, is gonna continue to dominate the landscape just because of the scale and efficiency, particularly you know, when you look at wind, Offshore wind, as an example, you look at large scale solar. I think we're going to see those centralized generation resources continue to provide the efficiencies and, you know, we want to make this affordable. I think we're going to see those resources continue to be utilized. And the transmission grid needs to make sure that we can bring those resources to, to, to the loads. I think at grid edge or, or, Decentralized. I think we're going to see more technology deployment, improving how we manage energy at the edge and energy optimization, more sophisticated types of demand response storage, whether it's, whether it's a non-wires alternative or whether it's behind, the, behind the meter. I think we're going to see those, those investments. And so if we can do more, and, we'll, and we will see some distributed generation resources, don't get me wrong. That may be 25%, maybe 30%. I know Bloomberg New Energy for Finance has some forecasts as to what percentage will be centralized versus, versus uh, you know, behind the meter or customer-cited uh, generation. And most of that revolves around solar PV. But... There will be distributed generation, but I think the real challenge at grid edge and de- you know, distributed is how do we better manage the load? How do we implement better energy optimization, and have the centralized generation at scale, the transmission to move it where it needs to go, and both will coexist.
0: Yeah, that's fine. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about the business models that get us there and the financing pathways that get us there. Um, so with regards to grid operators or for that matter business models of other key providers in the in the ecosystem how do you see the structure potentially working that we have now or maybe some evolution on the structure that we have now to the to the business models of the folks that need to put capital in place to to you know make sure that our, our grid is functioning the way it needs to can i send this one to you gary
1: <laughs> sure so uh, I'll say this is not necessarily my strongest area, but I think what's important to to recognize is I think we can get the financing needed for grid investment. We just need to make sure that the policy is in place uh, to to be able to to achieve that. Um, I think a couple of things are are pertinent though. One is, can we de-risk investment in transmission? How do we address the siting? How do we address the permitting? Because that's one of the biggest risk factors of, of making an investment in uh, transmission. I think we can get the finances, but we can't necessarily, the process has risk. And that that, that raises the uh, the difficulty in terms of cost recovery. There's also the issue of cost allocation that, that we do need to address. I think a bigger issue though with transmission uh is how can we be proactive in transmission investment because we tend to be very reactive in terms of our investment and i think that's an area that we need to work on i will use an example like crez where we were proactive in transmission investment, and that enabled additional development in terms of wind generation. We're doing something like that with PJM and New Jersey with the state agreement, being proactive to invest in transmission to enable more offshore wind. And I think that's one of the, the key items in terms of getting the money, is really having the framework where we can be proactive, can de-risk the transmission transmission investment. I think that's one of the keys. And then we have similar challenges at the distribution level. Uh, but um, uh, policy, uh, being able to be proactive, having a plan, I think, are critical components.
0: That's from you, Sanjeev, on kind of business model structures that can help us get there.
1: Yeah. So, he, so here at Distribute Tech, I think I heard performance-based
2: regulation mentioned at least five or ten times or something, and um, and, I, and I'm and i agreeable. I think that some type of reforms are needed to get these digital technologies that have lower capex exposure to them onto the grid. This needs to be done carefully, right? Uh, rate of return regulation serves a purpose and it does that very well. When you're trying to build out a large amount of infrastructure, it really de-risks that. And the project that we're about to undertake is part of that, right? We're still gonna need to build out a lot of infrastructure. And um, so we, you know, we wanna make sure we approach this in a way that understands that there's limitations to how much we can digitalize and, and there's certain uh, regulatory mechanisms that can be calibrated incorrectly as well. And so we wanna be careful as we tread forward there. Uh, the other thing I would say is historically, I feel investment has been less of a barrier to, to grid enhancement, like permitting delays, jurisdictional disputes, opposition from conservationists and landowners on right-of-ways and uh, like this is kind of coming back to some of the points I was making earlier what made me made the shift I uh, you know these are these are key issues and if we want to accomplish what we want to accomplish money alone won't be able to solve this and I so being able to bring people and communities into the fold and get them on board with what we're trying to do because it's ultimately to benefit everyone right um, I think that's going to play an important part all
0: right let's go on a slight Tangent, we can't go on them all with our time today. Um, But Gary, you mentioned transportation electrification and our grid, unless you're in the Nordic countries, hasn't really started to account for that. Um, It seems rather apparent to me anyway, that electrification of transportation is is coming. And and I would guess is coming potentially quicker than most are forecasting. Um, Sanjit, maybe I can start with you. Are there parts of the way that we run our grid today that in the future, maybe even the near future, Um, we haven't really accounted for yet. And and do you think transportation electrification might be one of the big parts of that? Yeah. So
2: transportation is going to be a challenge moving forward. Uh, I think the luckily thing is that it can solve many of the problems it creates when we, are able to kind of work with and use digitalization. There's a lot of great technologies at boost here today that look at, you know, being able to do smart charging and and doing like the kind of, I don't know how many people out there are talking about DERMs, right? And so DERMs, DERMs, DERMs everywhere. But um, it's gonna, so we see there's 8 million connectors in the world today. It's gonna grow to 92 million by 2030, over 300 million connectors by 2040. That represents up to like eight, Eight thousand five hundred terawatt.
0: What's a connector? It's so
2: like a charge point, yeah, like an individual charge point. Most of those are going to be residential, um, but two percent of those we forecast to be public, and they're going to represent fifty percent of the energy demand that is going to be pushed onto the grid. And that total energy demand we bracket at eighty five hundred terawatt hours. Right, so there's that is a lot of energy that needs to flow into vehicles um and and it's going to be a a key challenge moving forward but i'm optimistic on technology i think we have uh, a lot of the technology is is kind of being worked on to solve this to make sure we don't constrain the grid any more than we absolutely have to
0: care how about your thoughts on on electrification of transportation and other impacts that it may be coming at the at the grid and how, how we're preparing for them?
1: Well, well certainly
0: electrification
1: of transportation is going to increase the amount of energy that we deliver through the grid. And actually, if we can increase the amount of delivered energy without necessarily adding capacity because we're not contributing to peak demand, that's actually a good thing, makes makes it more affordable because we're, we're increasing the utilization of, of the grid. But I think when we look at electrification of transportation, we really need to break down into into two two segments so one is going to be the light duty private vehicle segment and there we we see that more as a distributed load you know i don't know exactly what the adoption rate is going to be for you know private light duty vehicles but the modeling you know typically looks at population how, where, the, what's the population density? How is it distributed? What's going to be the adoption rate? And that's where the cars are going to locate. And we're going to see this type of, type of a growth. And so it's a, it's a planning exercise and trying to make sure you stay ahead of that at the, at the distribution level in particular. I think fleet electrification for commercial applications is a completely different issue. There you have a spot load. And it's not insignificant. We're talking about one, two, three, potentially even five megawatts of load added at a location which wasn't where the grid wasn't necessarily designed to accommodate that, that load. And I think that's gonna be a shorter term challenge, more so than the light duty vehicle uh, challenge that we're gonna face with electrification. Utilization factors for commercial vehicles is much higher which means then the payback is going to be much quicker in terms of lower maintenance and lower uh, fuel costs. And if, it's, if, it's a, if the spreadsheet has a black number at the bottom, businesses have an incentive to move forward. We also are seeing businesses very much focused on sustainability. Many have implemented sustainability goals that they want to achieve and electrification of their fleets is part of that. So I think we're gonna see more pressure on the electrification of medium and heavy duty vehicles, particularly the local vehicles, not the long haul uh, heavy freight, but more the distribution center, the you know the middle mile vehicles, uh, which have high utilization, They go out less than 150 miles, come back, can be charged. Those are the vehicles where I I think we're gonna start to see that electrification sooner rather than later. And the big challenge that utilities are going to face is when you have a cluster of these fleets on a circuit that wasn't designed for that type of a load. So if you just take this area where here, here in Dallas, think about all the trucks that are clustered around DFW. And I can guarantee you they don't have the power right now available to charge all of those trucks when they start to electrify and that's going to be the short-term challenge i think that we're going to face
0: great so we we'll, we're coming up near our time half hour flies i guess when you're face to face but um let's ask this as a second to last question um taxpayers here in the u.s are taking a pretty sizable role in helping accelerate uh, advanced grid capabilities with the passage of the um, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Um, how much of an impact do you think this will have? Do you think, you know, this is a role that that governments are going to have to play to continue to move the capabilities of the grid forward in the right direction over the coming years? Um, I'll send this one to you, Sanjeev.
2: Uh, so I'll reiterate the point that I kind of made earlier, which is that money alone can't solve this problem. Um, and so it's great to see the grid getting focus um, and and being recognized as needing investment the government's kind of paying attention to this as well but money alone won't solve this i am a proponent of kind of centralized thinking around this right and i think like Krez was mentioned i I agree with these types of approaches i think we do need government intervention intervention, some vision setting of how we're going to build out national power systems right so we saw this a bit in australia as well where they have these renewable energy zones and and it's a good way to move forward because it provides the clarity that's needed for renewable developers for the grid and and so you can solve many of the complex grid issues that can happen with really high concentrations of renewables being integrated. So if we really want to scale and move fast, um, I I think this type of approach is needed, but it it transcends just money. It it has to be extend to strategic thinking about how we actually build this future power
0: system as well. How about you, Gary, impact of IIJ and other similar opportunities?
1: Well, I do want to make one quick point because I agree 100%. We need a plan. We need a national... At least a national transmission plan, if not a national energy plan. And IIJA has multiple, you know, goals. I mean, the JA is in there because this is also economic stimulus. We're trying to create jobs. It's not all that different from the smart grid investment grants that occurred, you know, 12 years ago. And in fact, one of the elements of IIJA, the grid, uh, the grid flexibility, which is three billion, is being structured very similar to the smart grid investment grants. There's a 50% matching, uh, but that's a component that you know the industry will be able to leverage because there is you know 50% of the cost is being absorbed by the, the government, not only as a stimulus but also to move the grid forward and, and create that flexibility that we need. There's also five billion dollars, which is in the the package for grid uh, resilience, which again. We do see climate change, you know, the grid is being stressed, we do have aging infrastructure. So how do we increase, you know, the resilience and also I'll bump into that the reliability of the grid. So seeing that money flow, I think is important. A couple of other things, you know, transmission facilitation. You know, the money is one thing, but I don't think that's the real issue we have with transmission. The facilitation, if that's successful and we can use that to, you know, streamline the process for siting, permitting and and getting transmission investment moving forward, I think that's important. Some of the other areas, transportation, you know, there's the $5 billion for NEVI, the national EV infrastructure. That's a formula plan with the states. That's going to also contribute to, you know, some of the range anxiety with private light duty vehicles. Personally, I'd rather see something that's also going to help facilitate the the fleets uh, moving forward. Hydrogen, $8 billion for four hydrogen hubs. You know, we, my company, we're looking at hydrogen as an energy intermediary so that we can extend the decarbonization if you use green hydrogen. I guess pink is nuclear, that's also carbon free. And then you also have, uh, you know, if you use the steam methane reformer with natural gas, you end up with, blue hydrogen if you capture the carbon. But anyway, carbon-free hydrogen, and then being able to use that for difficult to electrify uh, end use energy applications. And so that gives us also uh, another way that starting with electricity that we can help reduce carbon on the end use. Uh, so $8 billion there. Uh, those are some of the key things. It, it, fundamentally, it, it's providing some opportunity for us, but recognize there's other objectives, job creation, spur the economy as well.
0: You, you ran through the laundry list of the stuff that we had worked through. We, we, we um, thought there should have been a little bit more than than they did on long duration storage. We thought that was a little bit of a miss uh, and we thought it was a little bit of a miss on demand side, but there's some good stuff in there. All right, last question. And it's gonna be a little bit of a different format for us. So what I want to do is get a ball rolling and just keep it rolling kind of as long as we can come up with good ideas. And so you can recap some of the conversation we've had, or maybe even some stuff we haven't been able to cover today. So the question is, um, what would you consider to be at at the top, maybe not the first item, but but a key priority area that we and when I say we I mean, the whole industry ecosystem um, that we need to do to make sure that we are investing enough in our grid systems? Um, I'll start with you and then we'll just kind of go back and forth, uh, as you guys think of ideas.
2: So I'll say vision setting, right? Like at a national level, and we've seen some countries like the European Union is doing some of this. You can see it in, uh, offshore wind, for example, but vision setting at a national level to make sure, you know, are we going to build these interstate transmission systems is, is, is probably the top
0: of
1: my list. So we need to know where we're going.
0: Good start. How about you, Gary? What would you say? I'm going
1: to agree with that. I'm going to say national plan for transmission investment.
0: So double on that. What what do you have another idea there, Sanji?
1: Um
2: so I'd say permitting reform, right? So we can find ways to streamline permitting processes, so things like envelope permitting, central permitting databases, you know, not having to to get approvals at the like a municipal, local and then also at a national level to just get a project built. So some way of recognizing that we need
1: this infrastructure and 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 get it through the process a bit quick
0: great all right back to you gary
1: so i'm i'm going to say you know if we are going to achieve our sustainability goals and if we are going to you know have the grid of the future that's gonna meet our needs, we do have to look at distribution, resilience, and flexibility. We need to make the investments also at grid edge, not just the national transmission plan, which I'm hundred percent behind, but we also need to be looking at the distribution system. It is going to be important to the grid of the future.
0: All right, let's keep rolling.
2: Um, all right, I, so transparency on just data, right? Like constraints, like what, where, where are we seeing challenges with the grid? I think this comes up with a lot of um we see like, the booths here they're trying to solve these problems and sometimes the utility is a bit of a black box right like the 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 innovators don't know how they can best help right and so the more data that utilities can open up uh to allow innovation to happen i think is an important step
0: great great how about you gary
1: yeah i was gonna i was gonna emphasize also the continued the continued innovation we're doing things on the on the at the transmission level with synthetic inertia to address the loss of inertia as we shift to more power electronic connected uh, generation resources. We're doing things with analytics on satellite imagery to better manage vegetation and, and our storm response. So we're seeing these investments, which are really changing uh, the dynamics of, of grid operation and addressing some of the new challenges we're facing as we shift our generation resources. And I think I think uh, the continuing innovation is going to be important.
0: And I'll, add, I'll double down on innovation. I think the that we have a lot of the solutions right now to get there, but innovation breakthroughs, um, not necessarily on the technical side, but on the deployment side are going to have to come. Um, I think that we talked a little bit about business models, and I think getting to the crux of the business model topic, um, some regulatory adjustments that really, I think, incentivize the investments and send the right signals to the operators that they make the appropriate investments i think getting that right um, is something that's really critical um and and this is all going to take people i mean we talked a lot about dollars right but this is going to take people and there's there's i don't think enough um folks in the industry right now so we got to do collectively do our part to bring more people into the industry any other final words before we wrap up sanjeet yeah that, that that people piece is is
2: absolutely key making sure that the smartest students coming out of school wanna come and work on this project as opposed to some of the other projects that are out there. I think this is actually quite
1: important and, and it really needs people to come in, so absolutely.
0: All right, last word, Gary.
1: So I think what's interesting is as we change our generation mix, one of the things we need to think about is maybe a paradigm shift. We dispatch generation today to match our load when you have non-dispatchable generation and that's a growing part of your mix we need to start thinking about shifting that where we dispatch load to match our generation. And that's why I think some of the technology deployment at the grid edge, at the distribution level, or decentralized will complement what we're doing in terms of renewable development and having a strong transmission grid. But think about that paradigm shift.
0: I I mentioned it in my Senate testimony, Gary, so we're on the same page for you. Well, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, Look forward to having you on the next Grid Forward Chats. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grid Forward Chats. If you're interested in Grid Forward membership and our work to accelerate grid modernization and energy innovation, including the backlog of our podcast, visit us at gridforward.org. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app.